You are listening to Synergistic Step Parenting Podcast with host Maria Nadipov, helping step parents transform family chaos into meaningful and harmonious co parenting. Hey, step parents. It's common knowledge that society creates roles you are expected to play, whether based on your gender, your job, or other stereotypes that put you in a box. Today, we're speaking with Christina Mend-Lakiani about navigating your multifaceted nature to embrace your whole self. Christina will be talking about her new book, expected to drop any minute called Becoming Flossom, where she shares the journey of her personal transformation on the path to happiness. Find the show notes for this episode at synergisticstepparenting.com forward slash 66. In this episode, we explore how much we are bombarded by expectations, social roles, and stereotypes surrounding women, how Christina's book came to be, and what it means to be happy with your life. So get comfortable and settle in for this conversation as Christina and I explore authenticity and finding the mysterious and highly coveted happiness through self-acceptance. And now to introduce Christina. For over 19 years, Christina has been actively involved in the personal transformation industry, collaborating with renowned thinkers and teachers in consciousness, relationships, human performance, and life optimization. Her journey began in Estonia, her birthplace, where she worked for the government before transitioning to the nonprofit sector. Throughout her career, Christina contributed her expertise to esteemed organizations such as the United Nations, Oxfam, and AIESCC. In 2003, Christina co-founded Valley, a global school dedicated to providing transformational education across all age groups. This platform has empowered countless individuals to unlock their true potential and lead fulfilling lives. Recognizing the importance of reaching diverse audiences, Christina spearheaded the launch of Mind Valley Russia in 2009, bringing Mind Valley's best authors and teachings to the Russian speaking market, thus expanding the platform to a broader audience. As an accomplished author, Christina penned the highly acclaimed book, Live By Your Own Rules. This 30 day optimal learning quest serves as a comprehensive guide to transformation, enabling readers to embrace their authentic selves comprehend their multidimensional nature, and cultivate an extraordinary life filled with happiness and purpose. Her dedication to personal growth, combined with her entrepreneurial spirit and philanthropic endeavors, embodies a holistic approach to making a positive difference in the world. So, without further ado, here we go. Hello, Christina. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Thank you. It's great to meet you, and I'm excited to be speaking with you. Thanks. I'm excited too. <laughs> Congratulations on your new book. I'm so excited to delve into all the things. First one, by the way. I've done programs, but book, my first one. Oh, wow. <laughs> Congratulations. That's huge. I'm so excited to be delving in with you today. I guess my first question before we introduce how this book came to be, I was wondering, so for the listeners of my podcast, I know that they're probably familiar, but I became a stepmother. And then in an unforeseen way, became a mom overnight when my stepdaughter shared and revealed that she was being abused and neglected by her bio mom and stepdad, at which point she came to live with us time. But I remember very clearly, even before that time, just 
stepping into the parenting role and being a caregiver to a young girl, suddenly it hit me how much we are bombarded with all this junk as women, right? Like from the media and even just like the whispers and societal kind of assumptions, I guess, as to what is expected of us. And I'm wondering if that at all contributed to this book coming about, mm-hmm. uh, because I was reflecting image plays such a huge role for some reason in our society, but there's an expectation, it seems, and I wonder if you agree, or if this is your experience as well, that we're supposed to know exactly what we are. And we're supposed to be able to like, put a stake in the ground and proclaim it with 100% certainty. And I remember just thinking how challenging that is for kids because they don't know. And there seems like there's so little opportunity for them to figure it out and for it to unfold. And then it seems even the pressure sometimes of having to be so certain makes them kind of jump to things too quickly or be too afraid to lay a stake in the ground at all. And I'm just curious what your thoughts are, what your observations are on this. I know you're a mom also, and you have a daughter as well. So... Well, definitely the book is about your interaction with the society and what society expects. And in the very beginning of the book, I talk about the different social roles that they play and that very often they are contradictory. Different things are expected from us. Very simple example would be being a parent and being a child at the same time or being a co-worker partner in business and being friends, for example. There are a lot of different social roles that we play and everyone has a lot of a multitude of social roles. Very often they are contradictory. And we face the choice, do I go this way or that way? And that choice is is sometimes difficult. For example, if you are a friend and a colleague at work, which role is going to take priority? Are you going to look at it? Well, I'm saying it not very literally, but let's say, are you going to be professional? Are you going to be more of a good friend in your choices? And sometimes it's being professional versus your well-being. You as a hero, as someone that people look up to versus your well-being, your mental health. A lot of celebrities or athletes, the people who are doing incredible things face that choice sooner or later. And very often society actually is not welcoming the choice of your well-being over success, unfortunately. So I do start with that. My personal journey didn't have as much to do with me as a woman. Of course, you can never close your eyes to being a woman and I'm a feminist, but my personal realizations were probably not so dramatically influenced by that aspect of my life. But definitely, I think there is a lot of pressure on women. Of course, the question is, do you take this pressure or do you make your own rules? And on girls as well, it's much better to be a little girl now than when we were little girls. Huh, that's so interesting. I would love for you to kind of share some of like your observations around that. So we watch movies with my kids sometimes. And since I was I was born and brought up in Soviet Union, my knowledge of Western classics is very limited. So they've been educating me on some sometimes we watch movies in the 80s and 90s. It's very prominent how more uh, stereotypical the approach was to women and men. Nowadays, at least in the Western society, girls have, they have that as an option to defy the rules, to decide for themselves what's girl, what's not girl. I'm looking at my own little girl and she has an older brother. I don't think she feels her gender being some kind of limitation to her yet. Of course, when we grow up, that's a different question. And even in Western society, the fact that the world was built for men is still there. 
mm-hmm. and in so many ways which we don't even notice and realize there is quite a lot of unintentional discrimination i would say mostly it's unintentional but the world was built for men by men for men over centuries and the whole idea that women are equal parts of the society is fairly new for the humanity and it's still a long way to go but still i think my daughter has at least options in my days it it was a little a little less obvious that you could choose not to live a woman's life but to live the life according to your own choice yeah. completely giving up the stereotypes I do 100% agree with you that today, thankfully, many have paved the way and there's definitely a lot more awareness. And even the fact that we're having more conversations about inclusion and highlighting some of these kind of challenges and starting the conversations and moving towards resolving those, or at least coming together to explore new ways of approaching things, I agree with you, is really wonderful. So do talk about how this book came to be. I know that there's there's a good story there. So you now ask me to get off my favorite topic. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. No, we don't have to be so abrupt. No, no, no. It's fine because my book is, as I said, it's not so much about my journey as a woman. Although, of course, women usually relate to other women's journeys. I'm quite passionate, although an absolute amateur feminist. (laughs) (laughs) But when it comes to my own book, I've been in personal growth for 20 years, but I started this path as an entrepreneur. So I was doing marketing and production more than anything in personal growth. So we've worked with and still work with some of the best authors in personal growth and transformation in the world. And I have always been behind the scenes doing the support work. So my transition into becoming an author and writer happened when I hit 40. And that's part of how the book came to be. When you are in that industry, very often you are told that you have to write a book because that's a business model. But I'm a little bit obstinate (laughs) and I wouldn't do things just because I have to. Even as we started talking, I mentioned I have a few programs, but that's my first book. So even my first program, I was kind of convinced by my peers that you're in this industry, you should have your own program. But with this book, it was a different story. I had my own experience and I had my own transformation. And as I like to compare it to a child, when a woman is pregnant and the child is about to be birthed, you can't keep it in. So that's the story of my book. I have transitioned from being an entrepreneur and a producer of other authors to having my own message and researching around my own discoveries and my own message. And then when it matured, I just couldn't hold it in anymore and I had to produce it. So I think it is a very special book, at least for me it is, because it is something which is bigger than than me. It had to come. And I think I waited for the moment when I was ready to write it. That's so exciting. Congratulations. And we're really excited to delve into it with you. Would you mind just tantalizing us a little bit with what's inside? <laughs> I love the word, the choice of word, tantalizing. <laughs> I'll try. <laughs> so basically what I hope for this book to do is to help a reader, whoever takes the book, find their path back to themselves. <laughs> and I think that a lot of us contemporary humans are a little lost. We kind of live our life, but we're not really there and we're not really present. Or sometimes it's some kind of compromise. It's not exactly what we want. Very often we have to make a choice between being happy and being successful, being responsible and valuing your own well-being. And, and we get these kind of choices. So along the way, as we live this life, we very often get lost or lose 
touch with our true selves. So this book is about finding your way back to you. But of course, because it's a journey and it's a long journey, it covers a lot of ground. I like to compare it to Hobbit, Tolkien's Hobbit. <laughs> Essentially, they were going to the mountain to discover the treasure, but along the way, so many things happened. So I think this book is also a journey. So essentially, their destination is your true self. But along the way, we cover a lot of interesting topics from happiness and, well, happiness, success, dilemma, being perfectionist, the myth of hustling, emotional intelligence, a lot of interesting topics. So it's a journey. That's so exciting. And I know that, so it's interesting because you and I both share in common the experience of having been born and kind of grown up a little bit in the Soviet Union because I'm also from there. Although it seems like maybe you immigrated kind of later in life because I came over when I was eight years old. And I know that you're really well-traveled and only recently have I fully distilled the the richness of the perspective that that experience has offered me because coming and growing up in the United States, completely different set of values, <clears throat> societal norms, cultural perspectives. And <clears throat> so I really appreciate the sort of dichotomy. And I think that allowed me to kind of see more of the choice that you're referring to, because <laughs> I think it can be really challenging when you grow up in the same culture between what you're being told and what society and everything that is around you to distill where those nuances of, oh, but there's choice, there's an alternative, there's another way to kind of approach the same concepts or the same situations, whatever, big decisions. So would you speak a little bit to your experience? Because I know that you're also much more well-traveled than I am. And <laughs> I know that you love culture. So I'm curious to hear your perspective of this concept of authenticity and this idea of choice and how we show mm -hmm. up in the world, what your experience with that is. Yeah, I think the fact that I was born in Soviet Union and you as well, just gives you an experience of seeing some of the ideas at the extreme, the idea mm -hmm. of a human being being less important than a grand ideal or a grand goal for the whole society. I think as children, we were told that you as an individual don't matter. What matters is the greater good of society. And we just saw that to the extreme, but actually it's present in every society to a degree. But because we managed to see the fall of the Soviet Union, the fall of the system, we experienced in a very natural way questioning all those things because Soviet Union was the society which you couldn't question. And then suddenly it disappeared. So that actually gave you this, at a very early age, it gives the perception that there is nothing determined in this world. And dogma is just that. It's dogma. And something which you considered was the rule and the reality may change overnight. Unlike you, I actually never immigrated. I went through... I immigrated later, and I think it was slightly different circumstances. I stayed in Estonia. My dad never wanted to immigrate. My mom wanted, but my dad didn't. So I'm Estonian. Estonia was part of Soviet Union, way shorter period of time. Mm -hmm. uh, but I also evolved with a country which was maybe a lucky thing because it wasn't such a shocking change. We as a society had to change and reevaluate everything. In your case, you came from one paradigm to a completely different kind of paradigm and you had to adjust. So I adjusted together with the rest of the society. You had to adjust on your own. And that's, I think, what's a big difference for our experiences. Then, yes, I did end up leaving Estonia and I have lived in, in Scotland, in the US, in New York, and I have 
lived in Asia 16 years, but that was because I got married. So again, it's a different circumstance because I went and I joined somebody's life, which was established already. <laughs> so mm -hmm. I believe it was easier. But when it comes to authenticity, I never connected these two experiences. I definitely know that my Soviet past has influenced the way I see the world. For one, I'm very skeptical. <laughs> so it's, it's kind of funny that I'm in this industry because both, well, entrepreneurship was illegal in Soviet days. You would end up in jail. And when it comes to personal growth, then there was this famous Soviet movie where they have this phrase, don't teach me how to live, give me money. I'm so familiar with that one. <laughs> I know. And I ended up doing the, the things which were completely not among my choices, not on the menu. <laughs> so in a way, definitely my experience in the Soviet Union and seeing its collapse and the whole society changing have influenced the way I see the world. And my skeptical background also makes me a little bit more, maybe a little more cynical, but also a little bit more relatable to a lot of people who are not yet converted <laughs> into personal growth. So I quite appreciate and enjoy it, although I have to be honest that Soviet Union was was a huge curse for a lot of people. But as Gandalf said to Frodo, you don't always get to choose the times when you live in, but you get to choose what you do with the times that you're given. Mm -hmm. Sorry, I never came around to authenticity. <laughs> No, that's beautiful. I so appreciate you sharing a little bit more about your story and a little bit more about the perspective because it's really interesting for me. I was a child, so I didn't sort of have the benefit of fully understanding the ideals. As you said, there are certain ones that I couldn't escape because they were just part of the everyday and you just take them for what they are. And then a lot of them came from my parents. But it's always really interesting for me to hear people who are roughly my age, but who had more of that kind of influence and that interaction with the Soviet Union regime or other now independent countries that used to be part of the Soviet Union and what their experiences are and kind of what their takeaways are and how they see the bigger picture. So I really appreciate you sharing your perspective of that. And even to note, though there are similarities to our stories, the specific differences, because I totally agree. I think all of those nuances play a major role in the takeaways and the overall perspective. I guess I'm just curious. You said that you underwent a huge transformation and the story of this book, the message in this book just had to come out. It was bigger than you and you had to share it with the world. But how did that come to be? Could you share a little bit more about either your personal experience or sort of what led to it or... So it was inspired, of course, by my personal experience, like everything in whole lives are inspired right. by experiences. <laughs> Thank God for that. <laughs> I think like a lot of people in our industry, I am a perfectionist and an ambitious person with huge goals and a lot of passion to go for their goals. And I was about 40 years old when I realized that despite living life by the book, Sometimes when you're born, you're giving this tutorial. This is what it means to be successful. Mm -hmm. I somehow didn't feel very happy with what I had. And the worst part of it was that I was feeling actually really guilty about not feeling happy because how dare I have a perfect life? What do you mean you're not happy? And that led me to ask questions and to research how do things actually work. So it's through a lot of questions that I came to a conclusion that while I was kind of living my life, I wasn't really present. So it's like you're watching a movie, but the main character is missing. So when I realized that I just got curious, what does it mean to be really me? What do I want? Have I even heard my... Because we very often sacrifice our own 
wants, good, and desires in the name of something which we think is bigger than us. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and it was a personal journey that that led me to my discoveries. And also the way my brain works, I create systems and I find causalities and then I go and research and then I find out how things actually work. So because I have this kind of way of looking at life, like anatomically, I translated my own experience into a journey which I can help other people to have with not getting lost as much as I did. (laughs) (laughs) I love that so much. And sometimes I think, or a lot of the times people just need to have somebody pave the way, right? They just need to have somebody authentically share their experience and sort of call out a lot of what we're each probably also experiencing. But like you said, you felt a lot of guilt. And I think a lot of us probably feel that way, or we're not even sure how to identify the emotion that we feel. We just know something is off. So, and yet when we're able to see it through the lens of somebody else who really eloquently and pointedly describes it, suddenly everything in for ourselves also becomes clear, right? It's like we needed, I don't know, that permission maybe, or just to be able to be shown the way to see the things that are so deeply impacting us. So I'm so excited for your book. Thank you so much for sharing about it and writing it. And I can't wait to read it. And I can't wait to share it with the audience. Of course, we will include all the links and everything in the show notes to everything. And congratulations. Thank you so much for having me on your show. And yes, I also can't wait for it to see the world. (laughs) Best of luck. Thank you for speaking with us this morning. Thank you so much. Yes, bye. Take care. Bye. Thank you for joining us for this conversation. I was moved by the way Christina so poignantly described her experience and named the struggles that I faced as a woman, as well as common dichotomies that we encounter every day. And I hope that this conversation was helpful and clarifying for you as well. To recap, we discussed how much we are bombarded by expectations, the social roles and stereotypes surrounding women, how Christina's book came to be, and what it means to be happy with your life. And of course, I do have some action items for you. I hope that this conversation has inspired you to tune into your own needs as Christina was describing. To that end, I invite you to find five minutes in your day to be alone in a quiet place and to reflect. Are you living your life in a way that feels good to you? Are you listening to your own desires? Even if you do this for just five minutes, every day for a week or just a few times a week, you will gain powerful insights from the exercise. Making the space and time for this is a powerful step that often quickly creates more peace and harmony. So I hope you give yourself this beautiful gift. Be sure to go and check out Christina's book and programs and browse her multitude of resources. You can find those links in the show notes under links to Christina. If you're struggling in your blended family or step parenting role, please schedule a discovery call at synergisticstepparenting.com forward slash work. I'd love to help you gain clarity around what's getting in the way and next best steps to create the second family dynamics you want. Until next time, be well. Thanks for tuning into Synergistic Step Parenting Podcast. Please subscribe to this podcast on your favorite streaming platform so you don't miss a thing. 
If you like what you hear and you find the information helpful, please rate us five stars and leave a review letting us know what you like about the show on Apple Podcast. Don't know how? Don't worry. We'll include instructions in the show notes. And if you know of other step-parents who can benefit from hearing this episode, please share it with them. John Swain did our theme music. Thanks, John. <laughs>